Hi, welcome back to our second part of our podcast with Nick Thomas. Um, Nick's from uh, Nick Thomas and Associates, and we've been looking in the first part at some of the challenges that we face, sort of changing the way we operate into more of a virtual world, conducting business on Zoom, holding meetings on Teams and things like that. Um, and in the second part, I want to take a look at some of the benefits, some of the advantages, um, and some of the, the tips and tricks we can use to, to, to adjust the way we perform um, and, to, and to help with the well-being of our employees. So, so Nick, thanks for coming back. And what do you think some of, the, uh, some of the, 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 the more exciting or the more beneficial parts are? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, you come back to things like consultative selling. Consultative selling remains valid, but it's much more difficult to do. Um, so there is something called advanced consultative selling, as consultative selling has been around for a while. But one of the things I, I talk about a lot is the ability to, the, the way, one of the ways it's been shown to engage with clients and attract their attention in the first place uh, is through uh, bringing perspective or insight. So the unique perspective or insight that sort of, uh, bring something new to uh, to the person you're speaking to. Um, so, um, so examples of, of perspective might include unrecognised problems. Okay, so if if you're an attacking broker, for example, or you're an insurer speaking to a broker who, you know, you haven't got a big book of business with, if you're able to come to them and say, well, you know, because of what's going on here this is an issue this is something we need to talk about this is something we need to, to work on you know we we've seen this in other areas with other clients this is a problem you need to be aware of if the holding broker hasn't brought that to you um or or you know or you're existing if you're a broker your your preferred insurer partner in a particular trade let's say that's an opportunity for the uh, for the seller so for the attacking broker in this case you know to be able to bring an unrecognized something that's new that unrecognized problem an unseen opportunity, an opportunity that uh, that hasn't been uh, noticed before by the uh, by the client, or again hasn't been brought to them by their broker. Maybe, maybe the second biggest one I would say is unexplored solutions. Um, so if you can bring a new solution, so and and this comes so much down to having we talked earlier about the need to have knowledge of your client, and and. That's what the consultative process is all about, is getting under the skin of the, 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 the client business, understanding uh, their needs, understanding their business objectives, and then ideally working with them and collaborating with them uh, to sort of develop solutions, but without pushing your own agenda, without pushing your own business, et cetera, et cetera. So um, you, only, you only actually bring the proposal and the solution right at the end. Um, but by... Um, by, by understanding, you've got to, I say, you've got to understand their business, understand their exposures, understand their wider industry. So do some research around them. And again, you can use you know, social media and this, LinkedIn to understand different business areas. You can, you can use business information tools like uh, Dun & Bradstreet, uh, you know, other brands are available, Artesian, et cetera. But also speaking to your colleagues who maybe have looked after businesses in a similar area. So you understand the individual client business, you understand uh, the industry, but you also you understand as a broker, you understand the insurance market, what's available from insurers, maybe solutions that you put in place for similar clients who have similar problems. You need to be careful about saying, oh, you know, we've got this and, and using that as the exact same solution, but it's demonstrating that wider research and knowledge. So, um, so yeah, be able to bring unexplored solutions, solutions that the, um, uh, 
uh, that the client hasn't seen before. And it's, again, as a holding broker, if you haven't done that and an attacking broker comes in and, and, and does that, then you're really exposed again. That attacking broker has potentially got their fo foot in the door. And another really good way of building this idea of insight or perspective, um, which is really, um, as I say, an advanced form of consultative selling, it just adds a little bit more, uh, is what's called broker of capability. So this is where you leverage your full network to bring, to provide services or information, if you like, that kind of transcends what they would usually expect you to do. So going that, that extra mile. Um, so that might, if you work for a biz, big business, it might be a question of you being able to bring in um, you know, a, a different consultancy area um, that your business provides that they wouldn't normally expect you to be able to provide. Um, but it might, and I've done this myself in, uh, in, uh, in my training business, uh, clients who I've been able to, I mean, one particular client was looking for um, uh, corrective exercise uh, sort of specialist, for example, for, for her personally. And that's a world I know quite well. I've trained in that area, et cetera. And I was able to recognize, uh, recommend somebody really good who could work with them sort of uh, on, online. Um, so that would be an example. They wouldn't normally expect somebody like me to be able to provide that to them because I'm involved in the world of sort of, you know, training for, uh, for the insurance sector. But if you can go beyond, uh, beyond what's normally expected of you, because what the research shows is that whether we're in a virtual environment or the regular face-to-face -face environment, um, clients and um, prospects will have, you know, there's three things that can happen. They, the, every interaction you have with a client can either be a negative interaction that takes you backwards, a neutral interaction that makes no difference and doesn't take you any closer towards the, a, a sale or the renewal or whatever it is, um, or a positive interaction. The client expectation is, is the neutral, that it's gonna be neutral. So in every case, we've got to look to see if we can if we can build a positive interaction. And as I say, one of the key ways of being able to um, engage in the first place to get that attention in the first place is through sort of this idea of perspective or, or insight. And one of the ways we can really effectively do that, James, is through social media, through using LinkedIn, et cetera, because the research shows you know, that so many buyers are influenced by what they see on social media and that is so much easier to engage with people on LinkedIn specifically than it is by sending a cold email. Um, and this idea of bringing perspective, you can, you can find articles uh, on LinkedIn, for example, that might bring some perspective to a client of yours. Um, if you share that with them, that you put add your layer of, of professional expertise and guidance on top of it when you're sharing it with them, that, that can open things out. You know, when you're on groups, maybe you're on a similar group to um, some people you see as potential prospects, much, much easier. You know, you've got, you've got already that sort of layer of rapport there because you're part of a similar group. It's much easier to say, engage with them and say, oh, you know, we're both part of the, the manufacturing industry's LinkedIn group. Um, I saw this recent article in HBR, thought this might be useful for someone with your exposures because of X, Y, Z. So bringing perspective and insight from that perspective, just getting you to the table. Um, and then once we potentially do get to that online meeting stage, again, that, um, that aspect of building attention and holding attention is really key. Again, research shows that um, that sort of attention, um, that holding of attention and, and, and gaining attention in the first place is, is much, much harder. Uh, than it is face to face so we have to be really impactful and I don't want to give away everything that we we do in the sort of training sessions but you have much less time you've got to get attention really quickly and then you've got to hold it so that means you don't drone on with long presentations you typically maybe keep keep anybody talking for two or three minutes okay um, you keep it impactful you have lots of different tools that you can use and actually 
coming back to your point about some of the advantages, there are advantages to online meetings. You know, um, you can you can use and, and, and bring in different tools. You've got things like screen sharing. You can share different files, different documents, maybe infographics as well as, as PowerPoint slides. Um, you can you can use annotations so you can get something up there and work on it collaboratively together. That collaborative piece is always important because it's getting ownership from the other person. Um, you know, the whiteboard where you can maybe stick post-it notes, you can do a real good brainstorm together. Um, breaking out into virtual meeting rooms. I mean, the research shows there that um, when we're in big groups, there's a concept that the bigger the group in a meeting, um, the less people will sort of put in, um, the less they'll focus. So if you, and, and some people can find it intimidating, can't they? So if you break them out, if you break out into smaller groups to brainstorm and collaborate in these virtual meeting rooms, then you can come back to the room and, and, and sort of feedback. So, so there are advantages there. And also in the virtual meetings as well, you, you can kind of have cheat sheets. So, you know, if you're, if you're going into a meeting, you know, there's, you know, so many people go in, don't they? And they, um, they just kind of wing it. And actually, if they've got a kind of cheat sheet of questions in front of them, sometimes, especially when you're in a new business meeting, that can look a little bit, um, I think almost, you know, it, it almost comes across as unprofessional, but of course it's not, you know, actually preparing for a meeting and knowing what you want to ask is, is not unprofessional. But in an online virtual meeting, you can have that up on the screen and the other person won't see it. So you can be talking in the same way as I am to you now. Um, and, and you've got a list of questions that you want to go through there, or you can share it with them. And that becomes more acceptable because we're already in a virtual and sort of online world, if you like. Um, and there's a big advantage generally to online meetings from the point of view that, you know, it's broken down this whole thing of having to go, you know, you've got a client worth £5,000 in, in, I don't know, the, the, the northern sort of isles of Scotland or something, and you're based near London, and you go up every year to, to have a client meeting with them. You know, that's, a, that's probably two days out your, out your diary. Nowadays, we can have multiples of the Zoom meetings, et cetera, in a single day. We can bring subject matter specialists in for 10 minutes rather than having to drive two hours each way, spend a load of money on petrol and be knackered when they get back. Um, and, and we can use all these different collaborative tools. So there are disadvantages. And, you know, we haven't got talk, time to talk about all these, all these things. There are disadvantages like the, the lack of um natural rapport building within, within those virtual meetings where we're you know we're doing the business card exchange getting the coffee those natural conversations that build rapport and we have to be much more careful to structure those areas in but as i say there are also these advantages where we've got more time you know we can do more meetings we can engage with lots more different people and it's acceptable and if you think about that if that's becoming acceptable in the long term which we know it is you know think about that as a broker or or whoever with your clients you think about your ideal client profile and usually one of the factors of that is the geographical ideal client profile you might only deal, deal with clients within a 150 mile radius let's say because you've got to go meet them well actually going forward you may not have to go go meet them maybe once a year but the rest of the time you can do it on virtual meetings so maybe you can widen your your ideal client profile so you've got a bigger you know bigger pool of potential clients um so you know there are there are definitely advantages and you know the work the work-life balance as long as people manage that properly, that 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 can benefit. Um, going back to that um, that sort of ease of being able to do these online meetings, just a I guess just a note of caution there: be careful not to overdo the number of zooms you do. I think a lot of people have been; they are inherently more tiring than doing face to faces because you have this sort of constant gaze that you have to hold. Uh, you've got the blue light, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and they are just generally more. Uh, more tiring. An interesting one there for 
for those uh, all of us uh, sort of fairly vain people out there one of the things that research shows is that we constantly if we've got our own video up we, our subconscious is constantly scanning that video uh, checking how we look uh, how we're coming across etc so that's using up energy that's using up a lot of energy that you're not aware of so that's another reason it's tiring but you can actually turn off your self-view always keep your video on for meetings um, definitely because yes the body language aspect isn't as strong as face-to-face -face, but it is uh, it's better than nothing um, and also it's it, it makes sure that, that multitasking we reduce that multitasking by others as much as possible um, but you can while leaving your own video on for others take off your self-view so you're not obsessing about how you look and what your lockdown haircut looks like um, <laughs> but yeah lots of there, there, there are advantages of saying it and, and you know we've, we've just got to come to that point where uh, we learn these new skills but um, you know things are evolving all the time and the people who get there first and develop the skills first are going to be the ones who gain that initial competitive advantage and then that's difficult to get back so what I'm doing with a lot of clients is as I say this sort of reset where we go okay this is a great time to lay down core skills but also core sales processes uh, as well um, and sort of structures etc and planning lay down these core skills um, so that everybody who's involved in the sales process um, you know, sometimes it might be a case of everybody has some core skills they engage with and then different people in different roles maybe have different menu options that, that they engage with. But it's a really good chance, I think, to take Scott Stock, say, OK, you know, if we can build our sales skills and our conversion rates, et cetera, just by a little bit, by, by introducing some, some core skills across the piece, that's great. But also because of the big changes recently, it's, it's, a, it's an important time to do it because, um, you know, if, you, if you've done that, done that a year ago before before lockdown we'd have then you know you've then been talking about okay well those skills were great but actually you've got to enhance them now and look at different aspects on top of that okay i mean it's, it's clear that there are advantages it's, as you say i think a lot of it is around the time we spend doing things that we perhaps didn't need to do and, and so forth um with an eye on time i want to i want to put you on the spot with something and then i think i just like to before we end, touch on, on, on the well-being aspects of it. You, you've mentioned it slightly there with the word life balance. But to put you on the spot, and I don't expect you to name names, I'm possibly looking more for industries. Who's doing it well and who's not doing it well, do you think? Who, who seems to have got a grip of or even nailed the remote working and the adaption of their business to remote working? And, and who do you think's not? And I guess where, what I have in the back of my mind and, and what's made me ask this question is we, we've had a little bit or a type of remote working for quite a while. We've had call centres, we've had service centres, we've had people at banks of desks that we interact with, be it from the gas company, be it from whomever. Um, so this concept of working or speaking to people remotely over the phone isn't totally alien to us. We all had the, the great panic of saying everybody must go home in March and work from their desk, which was fine. You know, we, we some did, dealt with it better than others. There was knee-jerk reactions. We all got bored to death of screenshots and photos on social media of, look at my home working setup, isn't it great? Yeah, I don't need to see another picture of a snowman today. And I don't need to see another picture of you've got 15 screens. It's not Wall Street. I think media is an interesting one because um, being a big sports fan if you look at um 
for example, cricket, um, where they have these kind of debate sort of things after the test match, I think on Sky, it's called the debate um, and or the verdict. And they do it in football and stuff as well. And in the early days in the cricket, they were doing it uh, remotely with everybody working in Zoom from different locations. And I think that was a real good example of how not to do it because I just mm -hmm. watched it and you had everybody was, nobody was muted. So exactly to the point we were talking about earlier, Mark Butcher, who was who, who's a very, you know, he's a really good cricketer, uh, played for Surrey in England, and is, is a good media, he's out in Sri Lanka at the moment, actually, he's a good media person, um, he's very articulate, um, very easy with the camera, but actually he was chairing it, and he really struggled, because he clearly hadn't been given any training in how to run those sessions at all, so you had people coming in all the time, um, you know, which would break the conversation like we were talking about earlier, four different guys on different Zooms. Their backgrounds were like dark. Um, you couldn't see them because, you know, you had the lighting set up wrong. Um, you know, the, the, sometimes they're on mute, sometimes they weren't. So you had them coming in and saying, not saying anything. Um, and, and I thought it worked really badly. Um, they did a similar thing on, t on um, Have I Got News For You, which used to be a favourite show of mine, which they tried to do remotely to start with. And it's gone off anyway, but it was just not funny. Um, and I think they've learnt and adapted to that now. Um, and you don't see so much of that um, sort of vir you know, virtual bit, but also people have been trained, I think, now to do it. So they've adjusted quickly and they've learned because, you know, generally speaking, these, you know, they're, they're the cutting edge from a communication perspective. But I was really interested they got it wrong to start with. But now they're doing commentary out in Sri Lanka and places like that. And they'll be doing the same in India, where most of the people commentating uh, are set up in their own houses, um, getting up at four o'clock in the morning, still in their pajamas. But it's working really well. They've got, ironically, Mark Butcher, I think, and a couple of others out in Sri Lanka. But because of coronavirus restrictions, etc., not many of them have travelled over, so they've adapted quite quickly. Um, so I think that's a good lesson, actually. That it, you know, actually sometimes you know, and they're able to do it because they're key workers, aren't they? You've got you've got guys. Um, you know, one of my favourite shows is Would I Lie to You, as we were talking about earlier on. And they're now, they're doing that in the same place. They're all together now, but they got the virtually, you know, the, the, the socially distanced sort of desks, etc. Um, and it's just as funny, I think, or, you know, nearly as funny as it was. So I think media have adjusted quite well, but I think they were poor, probably, to start with. Um, and schools, I think schools, I mean, my kids' schools have been very, very good. Um, and they were they were on it straight away, um, and I think other schools as well have has, have adjusted. Um, I think um, I don't know about university. I think it's really interesting, isn't it? If um, there's talk now about university because um, you know so much moving towards virtual, so much of the university is the social experience, etc. Was it nine grand odd or whatever, nine grand or whatever, and you you're pretty much going to have a virtual experience now. And that's a very interesting point recently. Why would you do that for nine grand? Where actually the experts in delivering it in this format are Open University. They've been doing this sort of thing for years. And they, you know, the charge, Open University charge is considerably less than you're going to get charged by the conventional universities. So, so that's an interesting one. Um, and I think teaching generally is, um, um, yeah, I think the unions that maybe need to be careful what they wish for in terms of talking about how we're going to, you know, move to, Maybe, I mean, I think it's a scary prospect because I think it's entirely wrong for kids' well-being, but this idea of moving to a more virtual concept because, you you know, be careful what you wish for, you may be out of a job. No, you're right. And I, 
going back, I guess, to the media aspect as well, and if, if we mix that a little bit with the politics side of it, the virtual Prime Minister's question time every Wednesday. Now, I'm struggling with that. And, I, you know, whether you like PMQs or not, whether you think the horse trading and the heckling and, 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 the, and, and, the, and the shouting and things that goes on, whether you think that's productive, whether you think there's a, there's a place for that or not, it's, 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 it's almost an institution. It's something that, that, that we're used to. Now to see them all on screens around, taking their turns to politely ask a question, just as they do after whichever member of the government's come on at 5 p.m. to tell us the, the stats for, for the for, for COVID this week. To say, and now to John in Aylesbury, who does his little pre-prepared bit, I think you've lost so much interaction. You've lost so much of the fluidity of, of all of these things by, by doing it that way. I appreciate you've got to do it somehow, but I think there's a lot to be learned there if we're gonna if we're gonna make that. And for me, that's probably what I would class as an example of it not being done well as well. Well, we're going to move back to a hybrid model, aren't we? And and there are certainly areas that are going to work much much better face to face. And I would suggest that that's one of them for sure. Um, yeah, and and I I can't comment too much on mainstream media at the moment because um, for various reasons I try and avoid it um, because I think mainstream media have been, I don't know whether you want to include this a little bit political, but I think they've been appalling um, in terms of how they've, how they've acted. Um, but I think, yeah, I think their skills actually generally have been poor and I'm not going to mention anybody by name, but this particular person who, um, he's on one of the breakfast shows um, on TV and he has no concept I don't think how to run interviews generally. I think he's highly unprofessional. Um, he doesn't give people time to speak. And that's, and in the virtual world, that makes it even harder. If, if those people were face-to-face -face with him, they could use body language, et cetera. Um, they'd be face-to-face -face in terms of challenging how rude and, uh, but he talks over the top of people and shouts over them. And, and he ultimately has also got the, um, the control of whether they speak or not. And actually that reflects, that goes back, that happens on a lot of the talk radio, and that always has happened, where um, some of the talk radio people, um, not talking about talk radio itself, but just, you know, radio shows across across different platforms, um, where you've got a guy taking phone calls, and he can put his own, you know, someone asks a question, he can put his own opinion across that person, and if he doesn't like what they're saying, the, the, in my opinion, the worst ones, just mute them so they can't speak, so they've always got the last laugh, because they can decide when to mute yeah. and when not to. And as I say, this particular, I think the worst culprit is this particular breakfast. I know, I know exactly who you mean. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so no, enough about the man that wants to be the next Prime Minister of, of Britain, as long as he can do it Mondays to Wednesdays. Um, well, let's looking at, we're looking at structure as well, aren't we? And, and how people can get sort of Zoom fatigue and, and exhausted by the constant Zoom or, or Teams meetings and, and whether there should be some formality around it, whether... Um, with the, we need to be a bit better planned about this kind of thing. We've got lots of other meetings, but I'm zoomed up to the hilt. But actually, a quick, can we just check in for a 15-minute coffee? Much easier to do. And, and again, that's an example of deliberately structuring this stuff that otherwise, you know, we, I've worked, I, I worked in London, I mean, in the city particularly, you just wander out and bump into people sort of in the market, go and grab a coffee with them, and often... You know, the best, those are when the best opportunities happen or post a meeting you've had with a client where, yeah, it went fine, but then actually you're chatting with a guy 
I don't know, warehouse manager and you have a bit of a chat with him and you find something out from him and that makes a real difference. So, you know, some of these less structured aspects, exhibitions and conferences, I mean, almost, you know, there's the virtual stuff, but what are the, what are the main reasons people go to exhibition and conferences? It's not for going around the stands, is it? It's for the curry and the beers afterwards. It's beer and the freebies. And, and, you know, drinking it up to a cup of coffee at one of the little breakout areas. But those are the chats that generally lead somewhere and, you know, build build those relationships, etc. So my overall message from that point of view, just as, as a kind of metaphor for what you were saying about the well-being thing and having to make sure you structure time to get outside, do some exercise, have a glass of water, take a break. Same thing on so many areas of the virtual aspect. How do you build rapport? You've got to be more structured and building time for that. Um, you know, all of these different aspects. So there's, there's lots of that. Um, so yeah, it's, 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 it's an interesting area, but it's, it's still pretty new, isn't it? It, it is. And it, you know, my, my, I mean, we could talk about this for, for, for ages. My, one of my takeaways from the whole thing is, the, the, ironically, it's how you've got to structure fluidity. You've got to structure being a bit more natural because we, we've lost that natural interaction. And we'll only get it back, as you say, if we structure it. And it, it just, we, we joke then about conferences and beer and freebies and courage. Work should be fun. And if work's not fun, don't do it, is my humble view. And the minute you wake up and go, I don't like this, go do something else. And I think working in a virtual world does suck the fun out of it. How can it be fun? How can you have a banter? How can you have a joke? How can you mess about in the office for half an hour and can't be bothered to do something. We all do it. Let's not pretend we don't. We all pretend, you know, we're all very professional people, but let's be honest, we like to have a bit of a laugh at work. And you can't do that over Zoom and it's harder to structure. Um, so that element's difficult. That that takes the, it, it, it's almost, and, and people I talk to will, will say that almost every day is Monday morning. You know, when you have that Monday morning, you think, oh, it's Monday morning, here we go again. Another week. But people are having that every day now. It's Groundhog Day every day. Um, and that's what I think, you know, we've got to try and get away from and what we've got to try and inject a little bit of, of, of fun back into it. And you know, we have jokes in that house, make every Monday a fun day. You, you've, got to, you've got to do something because it is hard and people will struggle. Um, and that will affect performance, that will affect, affect people's mental health. But more than that, it just affects our lives day to day and because we're not in control of it because we can't decide when we're going to go back to the office because it's all out of our hands people i think like to be controlling people like to have a control over their over their destiny and at the moment we don't have it so we feel we feel blue we feel dull and every day just rolls into one and that's really miserable and i don't want to end it like that but i think you know, know. let's get back to some let's try and get some fun back into it to, to that point, James, I, I definitely agree. Um, you know, I mean, there's lots of research about, you know, you work much better, your performance is much better. I'm, I'm putting together actually um, uh, some stuff, some more uh, sort of personal development stuff around peak performance states and that sort of stuff. And having meaning and purpose in what you do is really key. Enjoying what you do. I mean, you know, there's a lot of research, well-established research about uh, employee engagement. If you're enjoying what you're doing, having fun, collaborating with others, you're going to be engaged. If you're engaged, your performance is much higher. Staff turnover is much lower. Staff sickness is much lower, et cetera, et cetera. The, you know, the, the, the financial benefits are enormous for the company as well. I mean, there are some, you know, 
in terms of some of the solutions people are doing the kind of yeah virtual wine tastings virtual um virtual what are you doing at the weekends on a friday afternoon um i would say that's great and build those in and make sure in team meetings you're building in for your team natural time just to have a social chat but, but i would say never make those social things compulsory because that can put even more pressure on your people and there's certainly examples and, and uh you know good evidence around that so make it something they want to come to rather than yeah and, and, and can leave i'm not necessarily and not too often. Yeah. I mean, I don't know about you and I don't know about anybody else listening to this, but I am Zoomed quizzed out. Yeah. Yeah. And the, yeah. the next time, yeah. every Friday, family Zoom quiz, every Monday, could have, and it just goes on, you just think about We had a Zoom God. secret banter. Brilliant. On video, brilliant, yeah. You can have fun. So really good little social uh, LinkedIn post by um, a good connection of mine the other day, and she put on some stuff there about how you can um, sort of touch up your appearance, do sort of virtual makeup. Mm. I don't know mm. if you saw the exchange mm. on link, LinkedIn on there. And that got loads of responses because everybody was, I mean, everybody was like, yeah, I mean, I said I need a virtual, I need a virtual haircut on Zoom. You've got those little settings on Zoom. You know, with the right audience, you can have a little bit of fun. You know, rapport is, is about being authentic as well. That's one of the key aspects yeah. of being rapport. So display some of your personality. Um, mm -hmm. There's a business I deal with, a recruitment business. Um, they're a, a, a female team, entirely female team. Um, and I think they've been brilliant during lock, since lockdown started in terms of initially you might think it was, it was all about the personal, all about, you know, working at home. As you say, there was lots of that. But a lot of uh, videos, sort of face, um, you know, face to camera work, etc. But actually, and they had their dogs in it and the kids and everything else. And initially, you kind of think, mm, not sure. And then actually, what they've done is really show their character and personality and who they are, not just as individuals, but as the business as well. And I think it's really helped their brand. Um, you know, it's really shown off something different and, and uh, sort of unique about them in terms of well, not only unique, but showing their showing their characteristics and their personality. And I think that's worked really, really well. So. And, you know, so don't be afraid to and, and indeed actively try and get your personality across, whether it's on your social media. You've got to remain professional as well. I'm not a big fan of pictures of, you know, ridiculous pictures on your profile picture and stuff like that. But you can get elements of your personality across. You can talk about, you know, charity run you might be doing or different di interests you have, different stuff like that and engaging with people. Um, do it on email, do it on your Zoom calls, depending on how well you know your audience. We talk about background. How do you use your background? Again, it dep depends on what your relationship is with existing people, but you can you can place things in your background to bring talking points and bring yourself to life because we're giving people access to our own space, our home, which is, again, you talk about advantages in many ways, that is an advantage compared to the normal face-to-face -face meeting. We'd never usually let people into our, mm. to our house. Um, you've got to make sure you get it right. If you've got junk and rubbish everywhere, it doesn't give a great impression. But if you've got things that get a little bit of your personality and character across, um, that can work really well. And you can use it when you're talking to the other person as well. Just be careful what you pick out and make sure it's appropriate. I know, yeah, it's 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 a balance and it is. And, and you know, we're, we're all finding our way through it. Um, and I don't want you to give away any more secrets because you're, you're sharing a lot and that's great loads so, more loads more where more. that came from okay <laughs> well look it sounds like a really good time to, to wrap this up and to say thank you ever so much for your time on this nick um i'm sure everybody will find it interesting we know how to get in touch get in touch on, on, on linkedin get in touch through me um, and and 
if there's if there's more you want to hear or if there's anything any any more tips or strategies skills or whatever i'm, I'm sure there's 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 a lot that nick can do um so i will leave it now and say nick thank you ever so much um and we'll see you again soon james an absolute pleasure thanks to everybody who's uh, who's listened to possibly a two-parter i'm not sure but to listen to the podcast um yeah feel free to to get in touch guys we'll be putting this all over social media i'm sure um also have potentially a book coming out maybe as well going down the track so uh, yeah, look, good luck with everything and please do engage you know always delighted to have a chat even if it doesn't go anywhere um you know i think this is a really important area right now it's taken a lot of work a lot of research but um you know we can do some really effective but cost effective work for you as well mm -hmm.